In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So if you remember, you know, any time you've done any work in your yard, you'll, uh, you'll typically have to cut the grass, pull out some weeds, do some of that heavy work, and every once in a while if you're clearing out the weeds, you'll find a, a very tough, stubborn weed, you know, like one of those weeds that just won't pull out and you almost have to like blow your back out to, to pull it out. And those are the weeds that have very strong roots. You know, if it's been growing for a while, then you almost like have to dig it out. You can't just pull with brute force. So I remember I struggled with those tough weeds whenever I would have to clean around the yard whenever I lived with my parents. Now I don't have to do anything because we have an HOA and I don't have to <laughs> pull out any weeds. But if, if you remember, those tough weeds are the ones that have those strong roots, the ones that are you know, deep and strong and they've been growing for a while and they're, they're basically immovable, right? Unless... Like, you have to do some heavy work to, to pull them out. So, Christ talks about four different types of ground. And one of the grounds that don't do well are the, among the stones. The stones don't allow the seed to really grow and develop roots. And Christ says that once the seed falls on this type of ground, it doesn't really produce fruit because the plant can't grow without the roots that are necessary to really grab a hold of the soil and to have a firm, strong foundation. So roots are important. I'm not going to really mention a lot about the type of ground, but I want to meditate on the roots themselves. And you know, when, when you see strong roots, like it's almost like like they they have their their own mind like you'll walk through some sidewalks sometimes and you'll see how the the roots are like growing through the concrete and like sometimes I'll be biking and like if I'm biking on the sidewalk like I have to be careful because if I go through some of those uh, little roadblocks with the roots like you'll get hurt so <laughs> roots are very powerful, they're very strong, and they're necessary to have a solid foundation. Okay, so, for us to reflect these roots, we have to be firm, and we have to have a solid foundation, we have to be strong. Um, in a sense, we have to be rigid as well. In a sense, we have to be stable, and nothing can shake us, nothing can really move us if we're like these strong roots that Christ says are necessary for the seed to really grow and to produce fruit. Okay, so this doesn't mean that we have to be rigid in a legalistic sense, right? And our faith is far from that. Our faith is not a legalistic faith. It's not about the letter of the law. Okay, so uh, some of the servants um, have been studying the book by Dr. Eugenia Constantino called Thinking Orthodox, and she mentions this beautiful quote. She says, we take the church, our spiritual lives, and our doctrine extremely seriously. And yet the orthodox phronema, which is like the mindset or the attitude of orthodoxy, is essentially relaxed. It's not rigid, not demanding, not stressed, but calm. 
Anxiety and obsessiveness are qualities of the world, but our relationship with Christ results in freedom and inner peace. Okay? I would even go so far as to say that real Christians don't need these like rigid rules, these guidelines to really direct their life. You know, we should live by the Spirit, right? And rules are not really necessary whenever we advance in the spiritual life. Rules are unnecessary whenever we become mature. Right? So St. Isaac the Syrian says, keeping rules is necessary during one's spiritual childhood, but when one has reached maturity, rules become ineffective. Right? Once we mature, we don't really need the rules that guided us in our childhood. Right, but this begs a very important question. <laughs> How many of us are spiritually mature? How many of us are adults in Christianity? How many of us have passed through spiritual childhood and reached that stature of maturity? So in a story by um, Alba Sozoas, which is, just always blows me away, but says, it was said of Abba Suzoas that when he was at the point of death, while the fathers were sitting beside him, his face shone like the sun. And he said to them, look, Abba Anthony is coming. A little later he said, look, the choir of prophets is coming. Again his countenance shone with brightness and he said, look, the choir of the apostles is coming. His countenance increased in brightness and lo, he spoke with someone. Then the old men asked him, With whom are you speaking, Father? He said, Look, the angels are coming to fetch me, and I'm begging them to let me do a little penance. Okay, so he just had St. Anthony and the choir of the angels and the apostles, and everyone visit him. So he's not this ordinary man that's just going to pass away. And then the angel comes to finally take his soul, and he says, Wait, give me some time to repent. <laughs> give me some time to, to prepare, to really purify my soul. I need a little more time. Or this is someone who's clearly on his way to heaven. Uh, otherwise, I don't know what St. Anthony and the angels and the apostles would go to visit him for. So he says, give me a little bit more time. So the old man said to him, you have no need to do penance, Father. But the old man said to them, Truly, I do not think I have even made a beginning yet. Now they all knew that he was perfect. Once more his countenance suddenly became like the sun, and they were all filled with fear. He said to them, Look, the Lord is coming, and he is saying, Bring me the vessel from the desert. Then there was a flash of lightning, and all the house was filled with a sweet fragrance. So what Abbas was telling his disciple is I'm still a child. I haven't even begun to struggle. I haven't even begun. I have not yet made a beginning. A little later, St. Isaac the Syrian says in his homilies, even at the perfect culminating point, there is reading and the labor of kneeling and psalmody. There's still a necessity for abiding by these guidelines and these rules, not in a rigid or legalistic sense, but 
with firmness, with strictness, like the same firmness that roots have, the same discipline, the same foundation, right? You, you can't just break roots. R- roots are unbreakable. They're immovable. You have to like pull them straight out of the ground. And if we're reflecting these roots, we have that same firmness. We abide by these guidelines in a firm way, in a strict way, the same way as the fathers and the elders of the church. Now, a lot of people would say, look, Christ even told us to forget about all of the rules and the nuances of the scriptures and all of these legalities. And he even criticized the Pharisees for all that, right? Right? There's a whole passage in Matthew chapter 23 where he just grills the Pharisees for how rigid they are. Right? But it's interesting that there's a subtle little statement that he tells the Pharisees. Because he didn't criticize them for their rigidity. He didn't criticize them for their attention to the details. He didn't criticize them for their discipline and abiding by the rules. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 23, 23, he says, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. What he criticized them for was forsaking the spirit of the law in addition to their discipline. These you ought to have done. That's good. You're washing your hands, you're, you're preparing before meals, you're holding, preserving the Sabbath, you're doing this, and great. These you ought to have done. But you shouldn't have left the other things undone either. So yes, be firm, be strict. And this is a foundation for our spiritual life. A lot of times you see in a lot of different Christian circles around us that it's all about the heart of the matter. It's all about just going with the flow and doing whatever feels right. Okay? And these, these are the influences of our Western culture. Like the, the contemporary Christian cultures around us are all about the spirit and the heart. And there isn't this sense of discipline of truly abiding by the traditions of the church and the rules that guide us and having a strict, firm discipline in our life. And we're a very loose culture. And what happens when that trickles into our faith and our spiritual life? We have no foundation. We have no discipline to serve, to love, to pray, to read the scriptures. And we're just tossed about every way, in one direction or another, by the influences of the world. Bishop Hilarion says, A rule induces in the soul the humility that belongs to servitude. Yet, in the rule itself, there is liberty. As in liberty, there is a rule. Some people make progress as a result of rule, and some as a result of the liberty which comes from it. So not only is it destructive to just forget about the discipline and the spiritual rules that guide us, but without it, we have no true freedom. A lot of times we think that the rules and the guidelines are to restrict us. right? But they're to give us discipline. They're to give us real maturity. 
If you think of the, the biggest saints in our church, how they lived a life of freedom, life of joy, a life of service, and nothing in the world held them down. They didn't walk depressed like they're in prison, like dark and gloomy. And the reason is because they kept this firm, strict discipline. Okay, so St. Isaac tells us, often enough, out of freedom, there spring up many paths leading to error. In freedom, there lurk many varieties of downfall. Whereas with a rule, no one ever goes astray. Those who preserve under the yoke of some rule will only be driven to some downfall once they have abandoned that rule and disregarded it. For this reason, the saints of old who completed their course without going astray governed themselves by means of some rule. All of the saints governed themselves by means of some rule. And so if we are to really follow in the same footsteps, we have to have a spiritual discipline, we have to have a rule, and to abide by it with firmness, with strictness, the same way as an athlete would be disciplined in his training. And St. Paul uses this imagery of an athlete throughout the scriptures several times. You see, athletes today, and the ones that are serious about excelling, have the strictest discipline. And you tell them, like, why are you so, like, crazy, and, and like, it's unnecessary. And they'll tell you otherwise. But this is exactly what gives me success. And, and this is what gives me a sense of meaning and purpose whenever I follow these strict and, and, and firm guidelines and disciplines. Think of someone like St. Pope Carlos, who truly lived by the Spirit. Truly lived by the Spirit. One day, in the clergy meeting with all of the bishops, um, the meeting was getting a little lengthy. And then, after a couple of hours... He just stands up and excuses himself from the council with all the other bishops. And they're like, like your holiness, we're, we're still like not even halfway through with settling all of these issues. And he tells them, I understand, but Vespers are about to start in a minute. And he just left the meeting. For him, the time to pray is the time to pray. His discipline was firm and he didn't budge. He didn't budge, just like you see those firm, strong roots. They don't break, they don't bend. We, we bend all too often, too easily, especially in the things that matter. It doesn't mean we have to walk around like Pharisees with a sense of rigidity and legalism, but we have to have a firm discipline in our prayers, in our service, in the way that we love. If you really want to love, love without compromise without somebody tempting you to cut corners. Love with a real discipline. Pray with a real discipline. Read the scriptures with a real discipline. The same way the fathers of our church lived. I'll go so far as to say that without this sense of discipline, adhering to a firm, strict schedule and rule, we have no freedom at all. 
A lot of times we're tempted to think the exact opposite. That freedom isn't just doing whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want. Right? That's typically how our culture would define it. Take a look at what Father Jack Philippe says. Real freedom doesn't mean being ruled by one's impulses from one moment to the next. Just the opposite. Being free means not being a slave to one's moods. It means being guided in a course of action by the fundamental choices one has made. Choices one does not repudiate in the face of new circumstances. How beautiful is that? Totally changes our concept of freedom. We typically think of freedom as autonomy and spontaneity. Like I'll do it my way, however I want, at the time that fits for me. Right? I'll pray whenever I feel like praying. I'll read my Bible whenever I feel like reading my Bible. I want to sleep, wake up, I want to go here, I want to go there. That's on me and whatever I feel like doing. That's freedom. Based on my mood. Right? What we recognize is that. Is slavery to one's mood. That's actually like no autonomy at all. You're governed by circumstances and moods. Real freedom is to be intentional about what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it. To be intentional. So that the night before, you say, I'm going to prepare for liturgy, I'm going to read the readings, and I'm going to wake up at this time, I'm going to come to liturgy. You make that plan, and by your own adherence to that plan, you are free to choose according to your own discipline. So making decisions based on our moods just makes us prisoners of our whims. Whatever happens, whatever mood surfaces at one time or another. So I want to break this down into two components. Okay? There's a sense of discipline and strictness abiding by rules in the visible areas of our life and the invisible areas of our life. Okay? So when we think of the visible areas, these are the physical components, right? the things that we see. St. Isaac Assyrian says, works performed with the body precede those performed with the soul. So the visible precedes the invisible. The, the physical precedes the spiritual. Okay? The man who has not performed bodily works cannot possess the works of the soul. Since the latter are born of the former, as the ear of corn comes from a naked grain of wheat, and the man who does not possess the works of the soul is bereft of spiritual gifts. So discipline and strictness, having a real spiritual rule, has to apply in our physical life, in the way we stand to pray, in our posture when we're reading the scriptures, whenever we fast, whenever we control our diet with our food and what we eat, those physical components are necessary. And as a matter of fact, they precede the spiritual. Okay? Think about how your mind works whenever your body is still. What happens whenever you just close your eyes and you stand still? It doesn't mean your thoughts are just going to settle down, but it's certainly going to help. <laughs> it's certainly going to help still your mind. It's better than whenever you're 
moving around and you're on your phone, you're talking to people, like your mind is scattered, it's all over the place. Throughout all of the early several centuries, the church never even had pews or benches. There's no chairs in the church. Like these pews, these benches are a modern invention that just found their way into the church just within the last few centuries. Okay, so what that meant is we all stood in reverence, in stillness, right? Why? Because that impacts the way that we worship and the way our soul ascends to God. St. Isaac the Syrian says, You should realize, my brothers, that in all our service, God very much wants outward postures, specific kinds of honor, and visible forms of prayer. Not for His own sake, but for our benefit. He Himself is not profited by such things, nor does He lose anything when they're neglected. Rather, they are for the sake of our feeble nature. We as a result of careless habits and various outward actions which lack reverence, have acquired an attitude of mind that shows contempt towards Him. Consequently, we fall from grace by our own volition, seeing that we're subject to backsliding. Then we're assailed by incessant attacks and continual deceptions from the demons as we acquire a nature that loves comfort and is easily swayed to evil actions. So that discipline protects us from the way of comfort and ease and laziness. And in the spiritual sense, the foundation is the physical. Right? Think of how we even prostrate our bodies. Whenever you bow down, what does that do to your mindset, to your heart? It humbles you. Right? Prostrating down to the ground doing a matanya, that act of repentance. It's, it's a way of lowering ourselves. And the spirit follows. Right? If we do it just in a physical way, then it's blasphemous. If it's nothing more than formalities, then it's the worship of demons. But if we're doing it so that the heart also worships, then this is worship in perfection. A lot of times we want this Christianity on the go, right? Like we just want to have like an easy, convenient type of Christianity. And we don't stop to engage our bodies. And we have to be careful with that. Ask yourself about the way your discipline looks in fasting. Okay? Something like fasting Wednesdays and Fridays. You know, this was the earliest fast established by the church. In the Didache, it tells us to fast Wednesdays and Fridays. That was written in the first century. Before Lent and the Nativity fast was formalized and, and canonized by the church. That didn't happen until centuries later. You remember that every one of you that have children were given the commandment to fast Wednesdays and Fridays. So everybody here, if you're a Christian, you're baptized, you're given this commandment. How many of us 
Actually follow it. Forget following it. How many of us believe that it's important? If you can't follow it, that's fine. But are we honest enough to say, this matters? This is important. I need that discipline. Maybe I'm not there. Maybe I don't have that discipline. Maybe I don't have that strictness to really abide by these guidelines. I don't have the spiritual maturity to recognize that yet. But we have to work on it. Okay? St. Isaac says, Fasting, vigil, and wakefulness in God's service, renouncing the sweetness of sleep by crucifying the body throughout the day and night, are God's holy pathway and the foundation of every virtue. The foundation of every virtue are these disciplines. You want to truly love? You want to truly serve? You want to be patient? You want to have compassion? You want to have these virtues? Lay the physical foundation in discipline. Fast. Pray. Keep a strict schedule. Be firm. The same firmness as roots have. Alright, now, for the invisible component, I'll just mention two concepts in the invisible areas of our life. And that's in our obedience to our Father of Confession, and that's to our discipline in maintaining that schedule and maintaining a rule that we actually follow in our time as well. Okay, so I'm not going to talk about how disciplined we, we should be in our obedience to our Father of Confession, but let me at least share with you what the fathers say in regards to our attitude towards this concept. Okay, so St. Simeon the New Theologian says, Brother, constantly call upon God that He may show you a man who is able to direct you well, one whom you ought to obey as though He were God Himself, whose instructions you must carry out without hesitation, even if what He enjoins upon you appears to be repugnant and harmful. It is better for you than to live by your own will. This is the attitude that the fathers carried throughout their life. This is how they lived, in strict obedience, in a way that truly disciplined their life, following the strict rule without budging, to the extent that he says, even if your father confession tells you what to do is repugnant, it's better than you having no discipline at all. Okay? But forget the obedience. How many of us are constantly visiting our Father Confession, submitting ourselves in humility, in obedience to that spiritual rule? And trust me, this is what produces freedom. You want to be free. Live a life of humility and obedience. You want to have no freedom and you want to be a slave to your moods and your circumstances? Continue to live in whatever autonomous way and make sense and then we're just influenced by our culture and our circumstances without any real intentions. Second component is in, in our schedule, in our time and St. Theophan Arethus makes this very clear. The great men of prayer had a prayer rule and kept to it. 
every time they began prayer with the established prayers, and then if self-initiated prayer came, they turned to it from reciting prayers. If they needed a prayer rule, then we need one even more. And this is where it comes down to pure humility. To recognize that I need that discipline. I need this prayer rule. And if the saints, the saints like St. Anthony and St. Macarius needed a prayer rule, I need one even more. So I'll just leave you with this final story. I love this because it puts it all together. The spirit of our faith and the strict discipline that we need to have in adhering to these rules as well. So from the saints of the Desert Fathers, they said about Abba Makarios that when he visited the brethren, he laid this rule upon himself. If there is wine, drink, drink some for the brethren's sake. But for each cup of wine, spend a day without drinking water. So the brothers would offer him some refreshment, and the old man would accept it joyfully to mortify himself. But his disciple got to know about it, and he said to the brethren, In the name of God, do not offer him any more, or he'll go and kill himself in his cell. When they heard that, the brethren didn't offer him any wine. They heard that, he said, no more wine. <laughs> Clearly, you're going to spend several days <laughs> without a sip of water. In his heart, he cared about the spirit of love and hospitality. He wasn't rigid and legalistic. He was willing to compromise for the sake of love, for the sake of fellowship, to share a drink with his brothers. But he only did that with so much reluctance, and he only did that with the willingness that he would have to compensate for it and continue to offer the sacrifice of love to God, the sacrifice of discipline and fasting and restricting himself to an even greater extent. So that whenever he would have to cut one corner here, he would increase his discipline there. A lot of us would be like, okay, I, you know, I, I want to share a meal or a drink with my brother, I just cut some corners, and we'll, we'll be all too glad to do that. <laughs> Take a few drinks or break our fast, and whatever, for the sake of love or hospitality or whatever. But then we're comfortable with it. <laughs> so I pray that we really abide by this discipline, that, that we really invest in this spiritual rule that should govern us, to have these strong, firm roots. And doing that will give us a real spiritual life. And to God and to our glory forever. Amen.